back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we're going to be talking all about food, from our favorite foods to tips that we have for you to hot takes on food. We're going to cover it all. So Leanne, do you have any food or recipe tips? I think one of my biggest tips is a common one to get everything ready before you start the cooking. And I offer this tip as someone who does not always do this. So I just think it's it's nice to have it all out because then you can just kind of throw everything in as you need it, whether you're baking or you're cooking, because there's been times where I've been cooking and let's say the onions are done, but the next ingredient isn't ready. And then I'm like going super fast to try and get it ready and throw it in. So I feel like I could make myself or I could make my life easier if I followed my own tip. I totally agree with that tip. I think that it's a very good thing. However, the reason why I feel like I don't do this that much is because I'm kind of a lazy person when it comes to cooking. I'm like, if I do that and I prep all of the stuff beforehand, then I have to put it in separate containers and then I have to wash those containers. And for that reason, I don't do it. Unless it's like a recipe when I know that I'm going to have to throw a lot of stuff in like all at once. I normally won't prep beforehand. But I know that it does make things easier. One of the things that I sometimes like to do is sometimes I like to go and cut up everything for the week. Not necessarily that I'm going to use it that minute, but just having everything cut up. So when I'm ready to cook later on in the week, I can use it. I find that to be like a relaxing thing too. It's a good way to spend your Sunday. I think I don't do that tip for the same exact reason because I just don't want to do extra dishes. And especially because I don't have a dishwasher. So it's like, you do the calculation of, is the dish really worth it? And I kind of prefer to just pile it up on your cutting board and just slide it in. I agree. That's also like my reason why I don't follow through with that tip is because I'm like, mm, dishes. Another one that's a really good tip though, for if you are cooking at home, and this is something that I found, especially since I've become more into baking bread, which I think is very funny because when you first met me, I was like, I don't like bread. I don't eat bread. And now I love bread. But when you're making bread or anything with active yeast, what you should do is you should add a teaspoon or a tablespoon of sugar in to that water that you've heated up for the yeast and then put your yeast in because it will activate so much more than if you don't. And I know that some recipes are like, activate it and then put it in with the sugar. No, 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 no put the sugar in just a little bit with the yeast and it'll just froth up like in a way that's amazing to me. Like I can't believe that it's so simple, but it works so well. I remember that because you were talking about how you didn't like bread and I have always loved bread and I was a little bit concerned about you. I'm like, is she okay? Like maybe she just hasn't had the right bread. Honestly, if I had met myself now, I probably would be like, I don't trust you because you're somebody who doesn't like bread. Like if I had gone back in time and met my former self, I would not have trusted myself because who doesn't like bread? Like that's kind of weird. That's literally what I thought. I was like, wow, like she must be really healthy, but like it's a little strange that she doesn't like bread. I think part of the reason why I said I didn't like bread is because it's like I really secretly did like bread, but I would try not to eat a lot of bread because I was like, oh, it's not good for me. But now I'm like, "Mm, if I make it myself, I feel okay about eating it. Like, I don't try to eat a lot of bread otherwise, but if I make it myself, I feel more okay about eating it. I think that can kind of go for a lot of foods where it's like, make it like if it's quote unhealthier, 
foods. Like, I think if you make them yourself versus, you know, order out for it or like a frozen dinner, it's still like it may not be the healthiest thing for you, but it's going to be healthier than all the other added salts or preservatives and stuff. And I think that was a big thing about like why I tried not to eat a lot of bread is just because I was always kind of wary of like, oh my gosh, there's so many preservatives in this and like things like that. It just kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I don't know. Since making bread, I'm like, yeah, I like bread. I think when I went to Spain, that was when I realized that I really liked bread because they would have bread all the time. Like almost every meal, there would be fresh bread, like bakery bread. Oh, it was so good. Also, while we're on the topic of bread, were you one of those people who decided that you wanted to make sourdough during your quarantine? No, because I don't really bake that much. I don't really like baking that much. And also sourdough isn't really my favorite. But the funny thing is, is that Kyle, my boyfriend, likes sourdough. So for his birthday, my mom got a sourdough crock and starter from King Arthur. And so now we have this little pet sourdough. And the thing is, is that there's discard from it. And so like, it's become this kind of game of like finding recipes for the discard. So far, I made a sourdough. I actually made it. So I was really proud of myself. But I made a sourdough discard pizza dough, which is actually really good. And it's like the nice thing is like it wasn't super sour. So it was really good. That does sound really good. Did you make sourdough? No, I kind of want to try it still. But now I feel like everybody's already done it. And so now I'm like, oh, now I feel like I'm just a trend follower, hopping on the bandwagon and making sourdough. But I still feel like I'd like to try it at some point in time. I don't know when, but I'm sure the day will come. But I've been really into like baking my own like pizza dough or like I know uh, around the holidays we had Yulikaga, which is like... I think it's, I want to say it's like Norwegian bread. Don't quote me. It's from like my dad's side of the family. But that was pretty good. It was like a little sweet bread. And so that was good. I feel like I have the best of both worlds because Kyle's kind of into baking and he's gotten into bread recently. And so I get all the benefits of homemade baked goods without having to do any of the work. Oh my gosh. You mean so he doesn't like Little Red Hen you? No. (laughs) (laughs) lucky pretty pretty sweet deal it is a pretty sweet deal so i know one of the tips that you wrote down was about keeping your noodles separate from the soup and i feel like this is like the biggest tip in soup making because i think within like the last year or so i got into making chickpea noodle soup with egg noodles but there's always the thing where it's like if you put them in when they're hot they just swell and get nasty like if you store it and then The thing is like, which I do with it is I cook my noodles separately and then I have the soup and then I'll have whatever serving I'm having for dinner. And then when everything's cool, I'll put it all together and it's like perfectly fine for like a couple days. When I store my noodles like separate from my soup, what I do is like I cook the noodles and I keep them outside the soup for the whole time until I'm about to eat them. Like when I go to throw it in the microwave or like reheat it, that's when I put my noodles in my soup. Just because otherwise, like sometimes if you leave them sit in like the soup water, the broth, the broth, not the soup water. Um, If you leave them sit in the broth, then they can sometimes get a little soggy, like even when you go to store them. So I feel like pulling them out of the soup is actually a really helpful thing. And so if you're somebody who like gets really bothered by like noodles that kind of fall apart, that tips for you. Definitely try it. And also if you're somebody who like 
throws your noodles in the fridge and then you're like, oh my gosh, why are they all stuck together? Put olive oil or like some sort of oil, not butter, but like an oil on them before you stick them in the fridge and it'll keep them from clumping. So also that goes for uh, coconut oil too. If you put coconut oil on your noodles, first off, you are a monster. Why would you want coconut tasting noodles? That sounds gross. But second off, do not put like coconut oil on your noodles and then stick it in the fridge because that's something that'll also solidify when it gets cold. That's a good tip. I know with the keeping the noodles separate for the whole time, sometimes I do that. But kind of going back to what we said earlier about being lazy cooks, I don't want to sometimes I don't want to deal with extra Tupperwares. And so that's when I'll just throw it all in when it's cool because I'm like, you know what? This is a compromise. They won't be super mushy. They won't be the best, but it's like a good in between. I also have a question about like when you put your food away and this might not be controversial for some people, but for me, I feel like it's kind of a controversial topic. Recently, I discovered that some people do not put their food away in their fridge until it's like 100% cooled down. Are you one of those people? I know I've read about how it's not good to put hot food in the fridge. So I try not to put stuff away right away. For me, it doesn't necessarily have to be like stone cold, but I think cool enough to touch like room temperature. Interesting, because like when I was growing up, we would always take food like if we made extra, sometimes we just take it and we just stick it in the fridge. And so I didn't know that that was a thing that you weren't supposed to do until I became an adult. And somebody pointed it out to me and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. It's probably a good idea to not do that. Sometimes I'll still put food away when it's a little bit warm. Now I at least wait till it's cooled down some. For example, if I make a massive pot of soup and I'm trying to use it for the week, am I going to wait till it's 100% cool? No. And I'm also not going to try to put it away when it's like scalding hot anymore. I mean... Not that I did that in the past. Yeah, actually, no, I did do that in the past. I think that happened once or twice. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure the science about it. I I think part of it is that if you're using a plastic container, you really don't want to put food in it because then the plastic, I think, can like kind of start to leach or something. I don't know. That's not fact checked. Google that. But I think it might have something to do with that. And it could have something to do with like the food itself, like from going from a very hot temperature to like something cold that could kind of shock it. But I don't know. Yeah, I always thought like when I was told that you want to keep your food out until it's significantly cooler, I was always told that it was due to bacteria, which I feel like I would believe that. But then again, I'm not somebody who who studies science. So again, fact check that because I did not. (laughs) Are there any other tips you want to get into? Yeah, let's do one more tip. One thing that I know that you're not supposed to do is I've seen some people when they talk about making homemade pasta, throwing it in your food processor. I'm not sure for the exact reason why, but I know that you're actually not supposed to do that. I think it has just something to do with like the consistency of your pasta and really you should hand knead it. So if you're somebody who's going through the trouble of making homemade pasta, hand knead your pasta, it'll probably turn out better than if you throw it in the food processor. And that's my last one. So Leanne, I know that we had wanted to talk about a couple of like our favorite foods and just like our relationship with food. Why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about what you like, so on and so forth. 
I think I've always been into food. I know when I was little, I was never a picky eater. Like I was always that kid who ate all the vegetables, ate their fruits. Like my mom didn't have to fight me on it. When I would go to my grandmother's because she had cable, one of my favorite things to do would just be sit and watch Food Network for hours. A kind of funny story was in fifth grade at the end of the year, our teacher wrote up a report on each of the students. And one of the things he asked us to when he was writing it was what kind of books we like to read. And I told him cookbooks. And then he said something that was kind of like, kind of alluding to like, what about like a real book or something? And I'm like, no, I really do like to read cookbooks. So I would like read cookbooks, like as if they were a novel. That's hilarious. So did you like read them and then try to make the recipes from them? Or were you just like reading them for pleasure? Probably a little both. Like sometimes I find a recipe that I want to make, but I think sometimes like I just liked reading them. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. I love it. In terms of like when you were younger, for making food, would you normally like help your parent um, make food? Would you help your mom? Yeah, I think so. I think most of the time she would cook, but I think occasionally I would help. I think this was mainly in like middle school, what's starting around middle school, where if it was before Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, because my uncle does most of the cooking for that. So I would go to his house and like help make the stuff that could be made ahead. And so I remember that being super fun. But I don't think I started cooking like regularly for dinners and stuff until maybe like high school, college, I'd start doing it more regularly. I think for me, it was pretty similar. If I helped my parents cook, a lot of the times it would be that I would help them with like the simple things. Like a lot of the times when I was like, you know, a middle school, elementary school, they'd have us set the table because it's like an easy thing to do. But they wouldn't have us cooking so much. I would bake quite a bit with my mom, like baking cookies and stuff. But in terms of actual cooking, I don't think they trusted us that much yet. I think they were uh, a little wary. I think they thought we would probably burn something or hurt ourselves. So I probably didn't start cooking, cooking until about mid to late high school. I think I definitely, like when I was younger, I definitely did more baking with my mom than cooking. But I think I'm pretty sure, you know, if I found some recipe that I'd want to make, should help me make it. But it was, baking was definitely more of a regular thing when I was younger. I agree. And my mom was always like pretty into baking. She would always make like banana bread or cookies. So I know that I would help her with that a lot. Or like when we went over to my grandparents' house, like I would bake cookies with them. It was a lot of baking, but not as much cooking, which honestly, looking back, I kind of wish that I had done a little bit more cooking when I was younger, just because I think it would have given me a better baseline for um, when I started living independently. Because I mean, a lot of this is my fault too. Like I should have taken the initiative and I should have been saying like, how can I help you in the kitchen and stuff? So I think a lot of that does fall on my shoulders, but I just think that like when I got to college, I knew how to make only a couple recipes and that was all I knew how to make. And a lot of them were like really simple recipes and that was it. And so I remember when I got an apartment when I was in college, it was a little bit of like a shock to me because I was like, I don't know what to make. Like I have no clue. because I hadn't really done a ton of cooking before that. It would be mostly like making sides, like cutting up potatoes and roasting potatoes and making eggs and stuff like that, rather than more intense things. I think one of the things I noticed, I don't remember, again, I don't really remember exactly when it started, whether probably like the end of high school, 
One thing I liked about cooking and let's say cooking dinner or something is that if I was cooking it, I could decide what was being made. Yeah, I could see it. I think also part of like cooking for me, I liked cooking vegetables and like I like making things with fruit, but I really didn't like touching meat. I still don't like touching meat. It just kind of grosses me out. Like not to the point where I'd become a vegetarian, but enough where I'm like, every time I do it, I don't know. What has your experience been like with that? I know that you eat primarily vegetables and like fruit-based meals now. Yeah, it kind I think it started when I was like 10. I went through a phase of like no red meat and I would eat still eat like chicken because I saw a mad cow disease report when there was that outbreak back when we were like around 10. And so it like straight up scarred me. So I stopped eating red meat. And then for a bit that lasted about like seven years. And then my mom and I went through like a beef stew phase. (laughs) And then I think that was like maybe a year or so. And then I just kind of stopped eating meat. Mainly it was like a texture thing because I hated chewing it. And like one of the things that like I physically like cannot handle is like when you bite a bit of like that grizzle and it just grosses me out so bad. So it's like, yeah, so I've just kind of stopped eating it. And then it's that type of thing where I would kind of like to go full vegetarian just because I'm like, I'm pretty much almost there. And then also it's like, I feel like it's good for the environment, but I do eat meat like very rarely, like for example, for like Chinese New Year, I'll eat pork dumplings. And if someone uses like chicken broth, I'm not going to like freak out. I feel like when we first met, I was more into eating vegetables and whatnot. Like I still really like my vegetables, but I think I was like even more aggressively into vegetables when we first met. I have to agree with you. Like I feel like I don't eat a lot of meat. I eat some chicken, but that's about it. Like chicken and fish. I don't really eat a lot of red meat, especially this is probably going to upset somebody who's listening out there, but especially steak. For some reason, it just grosses me out when you cut into it. And like, it seems almost like bloody on the plate. I just can't get over it. And it just like mentally, I can't do it. You want to hear a funny story? This was when I was pretty young. I was like, I think it was like around that time was like eight to 10. My mom, my uncle, my grandmother and I, we were all out for lunch at a steakhouse or something. And so my uncle got ribs and he asked, do you want to try my chicken ribs? And, you know, they were, I think, like steak ribs. So they were like pretty big. And so I asked him, why is it so big if it's, you know, if it's chicken? And he told me it was a really big chicken. And apparently I was gullible. So I ate it. Oh, my gosh, Leanne. Oh my gosh, like literally to this day, I'm like, mom, why didn't you stop him? And she goes, I don't know, like I was probably busy talking to like your grandmother. I was like, and I'm like so mad at myself because I was smart enough to ask why it was such a big chicken. But like I took it was a big chicken as like a valid answer. Honestly, if I was the parent in that situation, I feel like I would have just sat back and just watched just to see the reaction. I don't think I would have said anything. Now it's like one of my favorite stories to tell. I love that. That's pretty funny. So what about like savory versus sweet foods? Is there one that you like more than the other? Yeah, I would definitely go savory. I've said this for years. I would honestly rather have a second smaller 
helping of whatever I had for dinner as a dessert than like have a piece of cake or something. That being said, like I don't not like cake and cookies and stuff like I like them. It's just like the type of thing was like, let's say you make a batch of cookies, right? I will eat like one, maybe two cookies a day and like they'll just last forever. Whereas like I feel like people with sweet tooths like go through stuff so much faster. Fun fact. My DNA profile says I prefer savory, supposedly, according to 23andMe. Wow. I bet you mine would say I have a strong preference for sweet foods because I love sweet foods. (laughs) Savory foods are good, but honestly, like sweet foods are my favorite. I could eat fruit to no end. I could snack on fruit all day and be like, this is delicious. So I'm definitely a sweet over savory type of person. Chocolate is like my addiction. That's probably my only vice, quite honestly. A lot of the times what I try to do, because I know that eating a lot of sweets is not good for you. A lot of the times what I'll try to do is I'll try to like just incorporate more fruits instead, or I'll try to use dates to make like healthier desserts. And I think that those are pretty good because you can like blend up dates with peanuts or pretty much any sort of nut. That's a good tip. I think for like people who really like sweet is to try and find those natural sugars. Because, again, not a dietitian, but from what I've read, it's like your body processes natural sugar differently. So it makes it slightly better for you than like the processed refined sugars. Do you like salty? For me, I could, if I wanted to, or had no self-control, like I could eat a whole bag of potato chips, but it could not go through like a whole bag of Snickers. Okay, I don't think I could go through like a whole bag of Snickers. I could go through quite a few potato chips though. I think I just generally like food. I think that's my issues. I'm like, (laughs) I just really like food. (laughs) I mean, I think the whole bag was like slightly a bit of an exaggeration, but I do think like my limit is set a lot higher on like something savory than it is for something sweet. Like I could have less of something sweet and kind of reach the max faster. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of the opposite in that way. Like If I have potatoes that I've roasted in the oven and they're kind of salty, you know, I have like a serving or two of potatoes and then I'm like, all right, I'm good. I don't think I could sit down and like eat a ton of them. But like if I had something sweet, like, I don't know, like let's say vanilla yogurt and like some granola. I'm like, yeah, I could literally keep eating this all day. (laughs) I have one more thing. Do you know what's something I cannot stand though? Is like creamy foods. I don't know why. But if things are really creamy, it just grosses me out. I can't do ranch. I can't do mayo. I can't do like fettuccine alfredo. A lot of the times that's too much for me. So like things that are really creamy or like really high in, I think those sorts of fats, especially if they're dairy related fats, grosses me out. Cannot do it. I have no problems with ranch or mayo. I do have a problem with alfredo sauce, but that's more, it just feels really heavy. I like the taste of it, but it's just like I can't have that much before I start to feel kind of lethargic. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is because I don't know about you, but like a lot of people have either like a dairy intolerance or are like sensitive to dairy. I don't think I'm lactose intolerant, but I think what my issue is, is I'm sensitive to fat content. So a lot of times when, let's say, a recipe will call for heavy cream, I'll tend to just use whole milk instead because it's like heavy cream is just too heavy for me. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like if it involves a lot of heavy cream, I can't do it. If it involves like a little bit, normally I'm okay. But if it involves a lot, it's too much for me. I know we prepared a couple of food debates. So do you have any 
hot takes on food or things that people think are certain things, so on and so forth. I don't really know if I have any hot takes on food, but I definitely have some opinions on the things that we've written down. So which one did you want to start out with? So I don't really remember where I heard this first, but I want to start with this one because it just really bothered me when I heard it. Is cereal soup. I strongly disagree with this. I feel like for something to be soup, it has to involve some sort of blending or mixing and spices. And I feel like cereal is definitely not soup because you don't add anything to the milk. Like you just throw in the cereal and that's it. It's like if you were to add granola to yogurt, you wouldn't say that that's soup. That's what I think. I'm like, who thought that cereal is soup? Okay, so you have solids floating in a liquid, but I feel like that doesn't make it soup. It's not even just because it's cold, it's not soup, because it's like gazpacho is soup, and that's cold. Yeah, there's like something a little bit more in preparing that, you know, like you have to blend things up and like add in various flavors. With cereal, it's literally just, you have the cereal, you have the milk, you put them together, and that I think is far too simple to be considered a soup. Also, I look at it too, and I'm like, when you think of soup, you typically think of savory. And cereal is normally not savory. Like, it's it's sweet. It's not really savory. But that does remind me of something, like, completely different that I saw the other day. So the other day, I saw this video of this girl who, she was trying to take oats and make them savory. So, like, you know, like oats like you'd make for oatmeal. And she was like, yeah, like, I don't know why we don't just treat this as if it's rice and like throw in vegetables and stuff and throw in tomato paste. And I was like, shocked. I was like, that looks disgusting. But also I kind of want to try it to see if she's right. So you know how you're talking about savory oatmeal? I literally made this once. Um, It's from a recipe book called Bowl, which is really nice because it's a vegetarian recipe book where sometimes I feel like recipe books are a waste of money for me because I'm not going to make half the recipes because they're meat. And it's like, why am I going to buy your book and not use half of it? But my mom got me this for like Christmas or something once. And there's a, I'd say Asian inspired savory oatmeal bowl, which is actually really good because it's more of like a take on like a congee or a porridge than trying to put tomato paste in it. But I just needed to look it up when you said savory oatmeal, because I was like, I swear I've had this before. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah, because I'm like, I've never had savory oats before. Like, it's the whole concept is just so strange to me. I don't know. I guess, like, maybe if you put an egg over the top of it and, like, made it a breakfasty thing, I could see it. But I think it's because I associate oats so strongly with breakfast that I'm like, absolutely not. There is no way you can make these a dinnertime thing. Okay, so I have another food debate for us. So for banana ice cream, do you think it's good or do you think it's gross? What are your thoughts? I honestly don't know if I've ever had it. I can give my thoughts on bananas in general. I like a banana in my smoothie and I like my mom's banana bread and I tend to think anything else banana is gross. Got you. I'm like, I like bananas in general, but I think in terms of having them substitute for ice cream, I feel like the banana flavor is too strong because I used to make banana ice cream, which everybody online calls banana nice cream because it's nice, like good for you. But I used to make it and I remember I could never get over the fact that you could just so strongly taste the banana. Like it wasn't It wasn't like a true ice cream and it really bugged me. It wasn't versatile enough that you could do something like make it mint or something like really fun like that. And so that was the main thing that bugged me about it. I almost feel like it'd be better if you took like, I don't know, some coconut milk and froze it 
and threw in a couple dates and blended it up, I feel like that would almost be more like an ice cream than banana ice cream, which I have yet to try it. So don't quote me. But if you want to try it out, somebody out there, if you try it, let me know if it's any good. Wait, so you meant banana making ice cream, not like banana flavored ice cream. Yes, I meant like banana making the ice cream because what I've seen a lot of times online is like people will take bananas and they will freeze them and then they'll throw them in like a food processor and then they'll food process them up and then they will maybe like throw in a small splash of milk and some vanilla and they'll call it ice cream. And I'm like, it doesn't taste like ice cream. It just tastes like crusty banana. Okay, I lied. I do have a food hot take. Don't eat. Any of those like calorie saving ice creams, also baked potato chips. You want to know why? You're eating ice cream. You're eating potato chips to be unhealthy. So like just eat the regular fully unhealthy version, but just don't eat it every day. Wow. I like this hot take. Very good, Liam. Very good. I've tried one of those like low calorie ice creams and I'm like, this just doesn't taste good and I'm not satisfied. I should have just eaten regular ice cream. I feel like for like low calorie ice cream, there are some that I like and some that I don't, but they all taste like more artificial and they all taste like super, super light. Like none of them are like dense ice creams. They're all super light and it's just kind of like, I don't know, disappointing in a way because you're like, I mean, yeah, like now I feel like I've eaten my ice cream. It was good, but at the same time, it tasted like a lot of artificial sugar to me. Yeah. I do think I'm personally more offended by baked potato chips than I am by low calorie ice cream. I think because I remember I think it was like in middle school when the schools were like, we're going to be healthy now. So we're going to sell like baked potato chips. And I'm like, these things taste like cardboard. No offense if anybody likes them. Like if you like them, you do you. See, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum for the baked potato chips. I was actually like, huh, these aren't that bad. But I think it's just because the salt would mask every other flavor on that potato chip where it was just like, well, I just taste salt and it's crunchy, so I guess it's good. <laughs> but it's so funny that you would be more pressed about the uh, the baked potato chips than the ice cream because you're more of like a savory person. And I'm more of a sweet person. I'm like, I get way more pressed about the banana ice cream thing than I would about like potato chips. For potato chips, I'm like, eh, they're all the same. They're like kind of salty and they're good, but eh. And here you are like, no, the potato chips need to be made the traditional way. I do think what you said is kind of interesting because I feel like it lines up with our food preferences. I think it's just because it depends on what we enjoy more, you know, because I'm like, for that ice cream one, I was like, yeah, I would really enjoy some nice ice cream. But don't go over there telling me that this frozen banana is going to taste like ice cream because it doesn't. I do have to say, though, smoothies. Smoothies are very good. So I think instead of having like banana nice cream, I would much prefer to have just like a fruit smoothie. I think that would be the way to go. If you're somebody who's trying out banana ice cream and it's not working for you, try just making a smoothie. I feel like that's the perfect end to like a nice meal if you if you still have room for it because smoothies can be very filling. So another one that I wanted to talk to you about. So I actually have a story about this one. When I was in college, I was sitting in the art building like you do. And I was just like sitting there doing my work, minding my own business. And then I hear these people walking by and they're like, oh my gosh, tortillas are totally grilled cheese. Like, that's exactly what it is. A tortilla is a grilled cheese sandwich. And I just remember being so affronted and 
so upset. I was like, absolutely not. Like, I was just sitting there minding my own business, not trying to do anything. But I was think I made me think about it for the rest of the day. I was like, this cannot be true. What do you think? They're not a sandwich because they're not made with bread. They're made with tortillas. You could argue that tortilla is like a subcategory of a bread, but it's not made with like like sandwichy bread. Yes, but to play devil's advocate, the ingredients in tortillas, I'm pretty sure, are pretty similar, as long as you're using like a flour tortilla, are almost identical to bread. It's just different quantities. So in that case, wouldn't it be a sandwich? But it's not a sandwich bread, because if you think about it, at least I don't, like a wrap is, tends to be made out of like a flour tortilla or something, but you're not calling a wrap a sandwich just because it's in bread. I would call a wrap a sandwich. A wrap's a wrap, I think. No, a wrap's a type of sandwich. It's like a type of sandwich. You know, you got like your bread, you got all your stuff inside. It's just a circular sandwich versus a flat sandwich. But when you look at a menu at like a restaurant or like a pizza place or something, it's like wraps. They'll be listed as wraps, not sandwiches. But it's still it's still listed under like the sandwiches and soups category. So it is a sandwich. It's just a subcategory of sandwich. It's a subcategory of sandwiches, but... I wouldn't call it a sandwich. Like if I said, hey, Kaylee, make me a sandwich, I would expect like two layers of bread with stuff in the middle. But would you be upset if I gave you a wrap instead of a sandwich? It depends on the mood. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like if I wanted a tortilla or something with less bread, I would have ordered the wrap. But like when I say, oh, Kaylee, here's a sandwich. What are you expecting? Something that's wrapped up like a wrap or like the traditional like two layer sandwich? Probably the traditional two-layer sandwich. I just wanted to play devil's advocate and see how far I could push it. <laughs> no, like, that was, I liked it. You did pretty well. Um, related to our sandwiches, it's the classic hot dogs a sandwich? And I say no. I say absolutely not, because you look at it and you think of a sandwich, and most of, like, the sandwich meat that you put on a sandwich, right, it lies flat. A hot dog is round. It is not flat. So why why would you say that that's a sandwich? Because it's not really between two pieces of bread like you would traditionally have it cut all the way through. A hot dog does not do that. It just kind of rests on the bread. I agree. I think it kind of goes to what I said earlier is if you said to me, hey, Leanne, bring me a sandwich and I gave you a hot dog, you would not be okay with it. Honestly, if you did that, I would probably just start laughing. I would... It would be too much. I'd be like, wow, okay, I see. <laughs> Here's the question, though. Like, I feel like it's hot dog a sandwich is easy to be like, no, because like you said, it's like, it's a vertical, you know, it's not horizontal layers. But then the thing is, it's like, it's a burger a sandwich. And I'm like, no, it's not a sandwich. But then our argument for why hot dogs not doesn't work on a burger. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Maybe it's because for burgers, they're like, the meat is very thick. It's not like you have like a skinny little piece of like lunch meat in between there. It's like you have a lot of meat. Speaking of sandwiches, shout out to the Best Foot Forward podcast, which by the way, is the podcast of someone I know. Um, they had this whole debate on their podcast as to whether or not Uncrustables have a crust. Because their argument was that Due to like the pressing of the sandwich around the outside edges, like when you cut off the original crust, but then you crimp it down, that crimping makes a second crust. So it really does have a crust. That was their whole argument. And I was like, absolutely not. And they did a poll on Twitter. And get this, their fans said that it was a crust. No, because a crust is formed when you bake the bread and it is a different color because it gets more heat. It has an edge, like an Uncrustable has an edge, but it's not a crust. Crust is something that happens in the baking process. 
But they were saying that it was a crust because they were like, you know, it has the outside edge of a sandwich. That's what a crust is, is it's the outside edge of a sandwich. And I was like, I don't think that's right. I feel like that's just incorrect. But they put it up to a vote on their Twitter and the results came back that their fans, the majority of them felt like it did have a crust. And I was like, I think it's because you all didn't take my vote into account because I don't have a Twitter and couldn't be on a couldn't be on Twitter sending in my vote. You know, I could have been the tiebreaker. No, I'm just kidding. That's too important of myself. But I was just so affronted that they felt like this was a crust and they were so sure about it. Like, I think they debated for like maybe 10 minutes about it. Also, for those of you who would like to go and listen to this original conversation by them, it's best foot forward. Forward spelled like F-O-U-R, like the number four. So we're going to close this out with some debates about pizza. So first, should you fold a pizza? No, I think that's gross because then you look at it and all that pizza grease goes to the middle. So you're just getting like this little funnel of pizza grease into your mouth. Like in what world is that appealing? To your point, I used to be that person that would like dab the extra grease off their pizza. And I don't fold my pizza. I just lift it up. It may require two hands. You know, when you first start to eat the piece because, you know, the top part may not be supported. Just use both hands. Which leads into the next one. Should you eat pizza with a knife and fork? No, it's a hand food. Ooh, you say no? What person eats, I, based on your face, Kaylee does. <laughs> but what person eats pizza with a <laughs> knife and fork? Okay, I will admit I am guilty of eating pizza with a knife and fork. Like, for example, though, it's got to be something that's got like a ton of toppings on it. Like where I used to live, there was this place called Impelizzeri's and they have this amazing veggie pizza. I don't know if I took you there when you were in town. Did I? No, I have been. Man, we missed out. I should have taken you there. I don't think I knew about it. But they have this veggie pizza that has like a ton of veggies on there. Like I think there's like six or seven different veggies. It's so good. But it's like the pizza is so heavy and like full of veggies that like if you were to just pick it up, Like things would be flying off all over the place. And so for that reason, for that pizza, I would use a fork and knife. I don't normally, but if it's got like that many toppings on it, I will. I'll just eat the toppings off my plate. Okay, Leanne, we have to go back to Kentucky so I can take you to this place so that you can see what I mean, because I don't think it's a pizza that you can eat like a normal slice of pizza. I don't think so, because everybody that I see there always eats it with a fork and knife. You sure that's not just like a Kentucky thing? Like... People eat pizza with forks and knives? Yes, because whenever I... Okay, whenever we got pizza for school and stuff, like, everybody would eat it normally. You know, when there's not a lot of toppings, they would just, you know, eat a pizza like you would typically eat your pizza. But when we went there, because their pizzas were always, like, extra special and, like, really nice, people would always eat it with a fork and knife. Okay, here's my thing. In that specific scenario, I won't be mad at you if you eat it with a fork and knife. But if anyone's eating like just a plain cheese pizza with a fork and knife, I have issues. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Unless it's like deep dish. Deep dish, I feel like, is also acceptable to eat with a fork and knife. <laughs> you disagree? <laughs> no, I've never had deep dish. But I've always been confused on how deep dish is a pizza But like, I feel like some people like get really heated about the deep dish thing. And I'm like, I don't really care if it's called deep dish pizza. But like, I just feel like it's its its own category of pizza. Yeah. I mean, they do call it like a pizza pie sometimes, which I could see because it's like a pie, but it's like a savory pie because it's a pizza. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of people 
in like Chicago mad at me, but I'm really confused as to why it's a pizza. Like, I don't have any strong opinions. Like, I'm open to being convinced. I just am confused by the concept of it. It's because you use the same ingredients as you would for pizza. You've got, you know, your crust, you've got your cheese, but it goes on the inside and then your sauce goes on the top. No, no. Yes. Wait, so the top of your pizza is sauce? The top of your pizza is sauce and the inside is cheese. It's like an inside out pizza. Nope. Change my mind. It's not pizza. Pizza goes crust, sauce, cheese, toppings. Oh my gosh. Absolutely not. Wait, you think it goes the other way? I think it can. If it's a deep dish, yeah, it goes crust, cheese, sauce. And then what they do typically is they'll sometimes, I feel like they sometimes put the toppings on top, but I feel like a lot of the times they stuff them in with the cheese, which again, inside out pizza. Leanne, you need to come to Chicago. I'll show you. Here's what we do. We come to Chicago, we get the deep dish, then we go to Kentucky and get this pizza that I'm supposedly supposed to eat with a knife and fork. I'm going to change all your pizza opinions. We hope you enjoyed our discussions on food, you know, talking a little bit about some tips and our personal preferences, and we hope you were entertained by our debate section. Especially the pizza part at the end. Let us know who you think is right. Is it Leon or is it me? Um, In terms of, is deep dish actually pizza or is it something else entirely? Feel free to send us an email and let us know. Our book club upcoming is Quiet, The Power of Introverts and a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. And that episode will be dropping on April 5th. So feel free to read so you can follow along with us. If you have any thoughts on this episode, feel free to contact us through our email or Instagram. And don't forget to review Zillennials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.